Did you know the average person spends four years of his life looking down at a cell phone? Kinda ironic, ain't it? How these touch screens can make us lose touch. But it's no wonder in a world filled with iMacs, iPads, and iPhones, so many eyes, so many selfies, not enough us's and we see. Technology has made us more selfish and separate than ever. Cause while it claims to connect us, connection has gotten no better. And let me express first, Mr. Zuckerberg, not to be rude, but you should reclassify Facebook to what it is, an anti-social network. Cause while we may have big friend lists, so many of us are friendless all alone Cause friendships are more broken than the screens on our very phones We sit at home on our computers measuring self-worth by numbers of followers and likes Ignoring those who actually love us, it seems we'd rather write an angry post And talk to someone who might actually hug us, am I bugging? You tell me, cause I asked a friend the other day, let's meet up face to face they said, all right, what time you wanna Skype? I responded with OMG, SRS, and then a bunch of SMHs and realized, what about me? Do I not have the patience to have conversation without abbreviation? This is the generation of media overstimulation. Chats have been reduced to snaps. The news is 140 characters. Videos are six seconds at high speed. And you wonder why ADD is on the rise faster than 4G LTE, but Get a load of this Studies show the attention span of the average adult today Is one second lower Than that of a goldfish So if you're one of the few people who are aquatic animals That have yet to click off or close this video Congratulations Let me finish by saying you do have a choice Yes But this one my friends we cannot autocorrect We must do it ourselves. Take control or be controlled Make a decision Me? No longer do I want to spoil a precious moment by recording it with a phone I'm just gonna keep them I don't want to take a picture of all my meals anymore I'm just gonna eat them I don't want the new app, the new software, or the new update And if I want to post an old photo Who says I have to wait until Thursday? I'm so tired of performing in the pageantry of vanity And conforming to this accepted form of digital insanity Call me crazy, but... I imagine a world where we smile when we have low batteries Cause that'll mean we'll be one bar closer To humanity I forgot my Bible. I might need that. It's ironic what he said, isn't it? How our, it's so ironic how our touch screens can make us lose touch with other people. <laughs> you want me to do a little rap poetry up here? Oh, oh yeah, I have every word memorized. Let me just open my Bible app real quick, Nancy, and verify that. So, <clears throat> have you ever been with somebody and you felt like you weren't really there with them at all? Because they were looking down at their phone, 
And you're like, hey, I'm over here. We're out. We're eating. We're, I'm visiting with you. You're taking a call. You're texting. You're checking everything. Looking at everything except the person right across from you. And I wonder if that's what God feels like sometimes when we give all our attention, not just to our cell phones, but to all the worldly things around us, and we stop looking up like we talked about four weeks ago in Amos. Look up, Amos says. Look up. We stop looking up and we're just always looking down, down at the things of the world, down at our technology, and this kind of behavior it makes it almost impossible for a relationship to grow. I am so glad that, like many of you, when I was dating Rachel, and I hadn't planned to say this, so we'll see how it goes, Rachel. But dun, 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 that we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have cell phones. When I was a senior in high school, we had a, one little candy bar cell phone that my dad got for the whole family that you would take out in case of emergencies. But you never really called people on it. Not hardly. And you couldn't text on it or do anything else. My kids today, they go see uh, you know, an old phone at a museum and they're like, so how do we, how do you get a movie on there? Can I pull up Netflix? I'm like, no, buddy, it's just a boop, boop, boop. You know, what is that? We didn't have that pressure, but it wasn't, you know, I could go out with her and not be distracted. But now it's hard to even sit at the kitchen table with your family. You got to put your cell phones in a basket or it's, you know, like this with your teenager. And I wonder if God feels like that, huh? What teenagers? What teenagers? Or your wife or your husband? 23 year old sitting in the house. 23 year old? Oh, yeah, adults. That's what I'm saying. With your kids or adults. And they give phones to kids younger and younger and younger now. All I'm saying is we need to look up at God. So many Christians, too much of the time, we're ignoring God and Jesus and staring at the things of the world, including all the useless stuff that doesn't really add value to our life on our phones. Now, some things on your phone add value, like the Bible app. Raise your hand if you've got the Bible app installed, by the way. Look at that. We have the Bible in our pockets. We're going to talk about that a little later today. But turn to Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8. Amos has some things to say to us today about looking at God, resting, focusing on God instead of looking around, looking down, focusing on the things of the world. Amos chapter 8, we are in, starting with verse 4, picking up from last week. <clears throat> Amos 8, verse 4. Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain? It's like a religious festival, okay? And the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the epah small and the shekel great. We'll talk about that in a minute. <clears throat> and deal deceitfully with false balances. Then we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff. Of the wheat, sell the chaff of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account and every morn, everyone mourn who dwells in it, and all of it rise like the Nile, and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt. And on that day, declares the Lord God, 
I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth and broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. Sorry, Joe. <coughs> Sorry. I will... <laughs> Easy target, right there. Uh, and I will make it like the morning for an only son. Mm. And the end of it like a bitter day. Stop there, pause there. You can take this, uh, write this down if you want to uh, in your notes. We must be dependent on God, not just work. So we're going to focus today on the Sabbath. Amos talks about the Sabbath. God talks about the Sabbath through Amos. We've got to be dependent on God and not just work. Our, our culture is just work, 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 work. Do, 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 do. And we've got to focus on resting and being dependent on God. See, the nation of Israel, God gave them the gift of the Sabbath. It wasn't a burden, it was a gift. And God said, you guys are set apart. You're different than the nations around you. You take a day off every week. And a, a year off of some things, the year of Jubilee, every seventh year, you let the land rest. You take these times off to show the nations around you how powerful your God is, how dependent you are on Him, how you can accomplish everything, even with taking that one day off, like I showed you when I created the world. God rested, not because He had to, but because He set the example for us. And show the people around you that life isn't all dependent on you. That your life is dependent on on uh, me. That was their that was their call to show the world who God was. Uh-huh. But instead, what do they do? They're complaining about the religious rituals. They're like, when is this service over so I can go and do these unjust things at my market? That's what Amos is saying. They wanted to go back to making money unjustly. They weren't sincerely participating in these religious rituals and this worship service with their hearts devoted to God. They had like one, one foot in their church service and one foot in their greedy business dealings. And they wanted to get back to unjustly treating their, um, their customers. They were evil vendors, Amos talks about, these evil vendors. And they wanted the holy days to be over so they could start cheating people again. That's wild. When's this church service over so I can start cheating people again? But that's what they were doing. That's exactly what they were doing. They, they inflated their prices, artificially inflated their prices, charged people more, and they had uneven weights. He talks about shekels. And so they would come in and they would weigh their money. They didn't have necessarily uh, like the $20 bill like we have today. It would be a little different. And sometimes they would weigh their coins, their metal, their money. And they had one set under the counter. They had one set of weights for when they sold stuff and another set of weights for when people came and measured their money and bartered, you know, that way. So they would, they had uneven scales. They had purposefully uneven weights so that they would cheat people when they came in to see how much money they had. It would show that they had less money than they had so they would get more money. Unjustly treating people. And he talks about Selling wheat with the chaff in it. Now, we don't do that a lot today. <laughs> My kids like to drive on, uh, when we drive on L. Dean, they see the hay bales, you know, the wheat's kind of a little bit like hay, but not exactly. And Gideon, he knows my joke. And Gideon, I think it was this morning or yesterday, he goes, hey, look at the hay. I'm like, I am so proud of you, son. 
He's got the dad jokes already down. Hey, look at the hay. But these, these vendors, these unjust, wicked vendors, they would have this wheat that they would sell. But what they did with the wheat is they would sweep up all the kind of other garbage around it, the chaff, the stuff that wasn't supposed to be sold. But they would include that in the, the measurement for the wheat and in the price. And you're getting, you know, the, the garbage, the, the fat with the steak. I know some people like the fat with the steak, but they had a lot of, they added a lot of uh, unnecessary fluff into what they were selling. Unjust, wicked, evil. And when these Israelites weren't able to pay, because they were charging them exorbitant rates and taking their money unjustly, when they weren't able to pay, they didn't go down to the bank and get out a credit card. They didn't apply online for a credit card. They couldn't uh, get a loan from a place. No, what they had to do was they went into debt servitude. In order to provide for their families, they had to go into debt servitude with these unjust, wicked vendors for however long to pay off their debt. And it's kind of like once you're behind, you're really behind. You know, the broke get broke, or the poor get poor, and the richer get rich get richer, right? And so you're in this debt servitude against these evil vendors. It's wicked and sad. And God is not pleased, but it is showing their ungodly hearts, revealing who they really are. But the point Amos is making here is that God calls us to so much more, not just to fight these injustices. We've been talking about injustices all throughout the book of Amos. These, what these people are doing, oppressing the poor, uh, uneven scales, and, and just being wicked and awful and perverse. But God says, uh, through Amos, it's not just about fighting injustice. We need to do that, but it's about resting in me. And they're not... Their heart is not in their worship. Their heart, they don't want to take a Sabbath rest. They don't want to do these religious festivals because they want to get back to their evil deeds. And God calls his people throughout scripture to rest on the Sabbath and be learn to be not just dependent on our work and our paycheck. We need to work. God calls us to work if we're at working age or able to work. But to be dependent on him, to learn to Maybe even live below our means, we could say, if you were in Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class, to live below our means and, and not buy all this crazy stuff we don't need. That's a whole other sermon right there. But to be able to rest, not work, not do, but just be. Just be. Just be with our Savior. Be with our Lord God, Jesus, and other people, not staring down at our phones, but building a relationship with them. God wrote this to Moses. It's in your notes. You can uh, read it later. I often put bonus verses in your notes, so I don't read all of them. I'll give you the ideas from those verses, but you can take that insert with you and put it up on your bulletin board throughout the week, Chris. She says she puts an insert on her desk or at her work, and you can read those verses if you're, you, know, you don't have a reading plan, or even if you do, take a look at them at lunch. But here's um, you know, on your lunch break. This is God speaking through Moses in Exodus 20, uh, verse 11. He says, Remember the Sabbath day. You've probably heard this before. To keep it holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested. On the seventh day, not because he had to, because he set the example. 
Therefore the Lord God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, do you ever read the Ten Commandments and you go, excuse me, don't murder people? Check. I got that one covered. Hopefully. Hopefully. You might want to talk to a police officer after a word if you have something to share. But, you know, Jesus talks about hating in our hearts, but that's, that's another topic. But not murdering people, check. Not committing adultery. I'm pretty good on that. Um, but Sabbath, you know, we, we, we read the Ten Commandments and we're like, oh, but I got stuff to do. You know, God, I got the laundry. Now, people rest in different ways, and sometimes working in the garden is different than working, you know, creating things throughout the week. And so, don't be legalistic about the Sabbath. I know laundry's not going to do itself. Uh, but, if we can learn to experience, not this, bless, not this burden, not this legalistic thing, but this blessing from God, it is a gift that He gave to us, but in our culture, we're just go, 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 hustle, 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 do, 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 do. And boy... I mean, I know hard work built America. But God calls us to work hard, but we can't neglect to rest. He calls us to Sabbath rest. Does anybody know what this word Sabbath, also called Shabbat, what does it mean? Shout it out. Rachel, you be quiet. She knows. She does this every week with the kids. What? Hey! <laughs> Okay, Google. No, but you guys don't know? Dinner. dinner? You have dinner for Shabbat. The Jewish people often start Shabbat sundown Friday night, and it's to sundown Saturday night. That's their Sabbath, also known as Shabbat. It's a celebration. It is a celebration. It's uh, resting from the labor. Rachel, what's it mean? To stop. To cease. Rachel tells our kids, we have a little Shabbat meal oftentimes on Friday night, and, she, and the kids say, soul rest, soul rest. It's to stop, to cease from your labor and to rest, not just physically, but your soul. Soul rest is different than just taking a nap. Now, <laughs> Shabbat, uh, Sabbath may include a nap. I think naps are very holy. Jesus napped on the boat while his disciples were freaking out, right? But naps are very holy. But Sabbath is more than just sleeping. More than just lazing around the house in your pajamas, your Star Wars pajamas, Brian, okay? This is... <laughs> I should say Dan, right? Sabbath, Shabbat means rest. Now, we live in this go-go-go, insanely-paced culture. But I'm telling you, this lack of soul rest, when we just go, 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 and don't stop, guess what's going to happen? You're going to rest, or eventually, you're going to rest. <laughs> Six feet under. And a doctor's going to tell you, you know, you blew out your adrenal gland, if you go, go, go. I know some pastors who just go, 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 and they blew out his adrenal gland because he just was so hardcore focused, Okay. Your body breaks down. Your mind breaks down. Mentally, physically. Not, it's not just a spiritual thing. God knew this, so he gave us patterns. And he said, you've got to rest, not just to focus on me and look up from your phones, but so you can physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally 
refresh your soul. Your whole being. Not just physical, I need a nap, but your whole entire being. God made our bodies that we need sleep every night. That's our recalibration. That's our recharging our batteries. That's our refreshing. And he made the week. People have tried different weeks. They've tried eight, you know, throughout history, eight-day weeks, nine-day weeks, six-day weeks. It doesn't work. It can't work. They get messed up because God made this habit. He made this pattern. Seven-day week is how it is. Now, in America... A lot of you get a bonus, you get Friday and Saturday off because they said, do we want to do the Jewish thing or some Gentile thing? Shabbat, you know, it's Saturday, Sabbath, uh, but Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. Is it a Christian? Okay, you get both of them. (laughs) Some of us work six days, other people five days or four days, but the principle is, or maybe you're retired, that's fine too, but maybe even in your retirement, have a day where it's your Sabbath rest and you stop. And you cease and you do something different than you do the other six days. That's the key. Do something different than you do the other six days to to refresh your soul, to focus on God. I would challenge all of us, including myself, turn off your phone that day. (gasps) Don't look at a screen. Wow, can we do that? In America, in 2022, not look at a screen for 24 hours? (gasps) Dan, you're stepping on my toes. Dan, get out of here. I don't, you're preaching, but I don't, we're going to revolt, get the pitchforks and the fire, the torches, you know. I would chat, because your day will be different. If you don't have a screen to look at, instead you look at other people. And you look at God and you read the scriptures and you spend more time in prayer and you have a, a meal with somebody. That's what God is saying through Amos uh, to rest. Now, anybody been on a beach with a coconut drink? Okay. Getting away for vacation, wherever you go, once a year, that's good. You know, we need to get away. Um, some people get away more than others for various reasons. I love the beach. Uh, I love to play in the ocean. But Sabbath isn't just vacation. It's not just getting away. Sometimes Rachel's like, (laughs) I'm more stressed out on vacation than I am at home. (laughs) Right? With four kids. And you're trying to arrange all this stuff and do all these plans. And we get home and she's like, Dan, I need a vacation from my vacation. Okay. A vacation isn't, Shabbat isn't just vacation. Sabbath isn't just vacation. It's good to get away. But get yourself a normal pattern. We're on the seventh day, whatever it is for you, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, sometimes it's people's Monday, for soul rest. Soul rest. Recharge physically, mentally. They have done studies, many studies, when people don't get enough rest, when people don't refresh themselves or be around other life-giving people, it affects our brains and our bodies more than we ever think. I'm telling you, got to get this gift. God is giving us a beautiful gift of rest. And how many times do we say, oh, God, I'm going to return it to Walmart. No, I don't like, I'm going to return your gift. I don't want your gift to rest. God, I got too much to do. And God's like, Okay, I'm God and I rested on the seventh day. If, if God can do it, if God shows it's important, then it's definitely important for us to do this rest. 
And it's hard, isn't it? We now live in a world, uh, some of you, like me, are like me, you got your office in your pocket. Okay? And I can do a lot of things not in the church office. I can do a lot of things at home. People call, people text me at all hours. I got email, I got, you know, church. Uh, social media, Facebook on my phone. I got, um, I can read commentaries, and I do, and uh, Amos books I've been reading on my phone. And I can do work stuff. That's, that's the hard part. It's hard to differentiate, especially the past couple of years, people have been working from home a lot. They say, here's a computer. Trudy's like, no, I'm not taking a computer home from work. Before you retire, she's like, I'm separating work from home. And that's, that was a, a wise thing, I think. But the past couple of years, it's like they almost forced you, if at all possible, to work from home, work from home. And that's good in some ways, but it's really hard in other ways to separate work and home. And when you got the office in your pocket, when you got the office in your backpack, it is so hard. We got to be so, I got to be so diligent to stop, to just stop and put my phone away and put my computer away and say, all right, kids, come here. Let's do daddy, princess daddy time. They like to dress me up and I won't tell you what they put on my nails, but you know, a boa around, you know how they do. Let's play some games. Rachel, when it's warm, let's go for a walk. Let's go for a hike. Let's get out of here. Let's go to Boonshoft and just play and play and play. And, and not and get away from work and have that soul rest with my family. It's so important. Uh, there's a theologian, Dallas Willard. He wrote a book on uh, spiritual disciplines. He defined hurry as the enemy of our spiritual life. Hurry is the enemy of our spiritual life. He said uh, our go, go, go culture gets in the way of truly abiding with Jesus and leads to all manner of social breakdowns, stress, depression, burnout, divorce, alienation, addiction. Anybody want in their life more stress, more depression, more burnout, divorce, alienation, addiction? Woo, sign me up! No, we say, no, of course not. I never want that. And yet we do the very things that can lead us down that path and in that direction. We've got to learn to stop and to give our soul rest, undivided attention to God and the people around us. Here's uh, Ezekiel. I've got it in your notes. I just want to share what Ezekiel said. Uh, God said through Ezekiel, follow my decrees. Pay attention to my regulations. Keep my Sabbath days holy, set apart, special, unique, different, for they are a sign to remind you that I am the Lord our God. Sabbath reminds us that the Lord is our God. We're dependent on Him, not just work. He said, but their children too rebelled against me. They refused to keep my decrees and follow my regulations, even though obedience would have given them life. They refused the gift of Sabbath, even though obedience to the Sabbath would have given them life. We are refusing the gift of life when we reject soul rest. And Sabbath, are you willing to reject the gift of life? Because I'm telling you, we do it all the time. (laughs) 
We do it all the time. Are you too distracted? Are you too busy to follow God's fourth commandment? And I'm preaching to myself, okay? Just, we all struggle with this. We all struggle this. We got to make a plan. Look, if you're going to do something, you got to write it down. You got to put it on whatever Siri Google calendar you got and say, nothing <laughs> on this day. Say, soul rest. Say, Sabbath. Siri, sign me up for Sabbath all day, Sunday, whatever it is. That could mean worshiping with your church family and then going and doing family things and, and having you know a devotion at home. Just work. There's a lot of ways. Maybe I'll send out on the email this week. Um, ways that we can celebrate Sabbath. Because okay? there's a, a lot of ins and outs of this. Maybe we'll get some helpful tips, but our world is so busy and we have got to stop and put the technology away and depend on God alone. Let's finish Amos chapter 8. A couple verses here. Verse 11, Behold, the days are coming, coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, and if not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. They're so far away from God, they shall not even find his word. Verse 13, In that day the lovely virgins and the young men shall faint for thirst. Those who swear by the guilt of Samaria will say, As your God lives, O Dan, I guess he's talking to me, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. Last of all, you can write this down. We must learn to be and not just do. We've got to learn to be and not just do. Cheryl knows this because we talked about it in Life Group last Tuesday. This is what it was. We've got to learn to be and not just do. God says through Amos, because of these, uh, the Israelites, they, they had apathy for the things of God. And he's going to take away even the opportunity to hear his word. Back then, they didn't have the Bible in their pocket. Back then, they didn't have, you know, ten versions on the shelf. It was through the prophets. It was, you know, in the, um, in the temple with the scrolls. They had to go and... God says, I'm going to take away that opportunity for you to even hear from me. That means no light in their darkness, no nourishment for their soul, no direction for their decisions, no protection from the lies of the enemy. God is in a way, was in a way removing his presence and letting the Assyrians come in and attack and take many of them to a captive land. And he says, these people, they're going to stagger around like drunks from place to place, trying to find uh, drink and, and bread and sustenance for their bodies, for their souls, and they're not going to be able to find it. Israel, Israel lost the opportunity to hear God's words. May it never be so for us. And part of that, part of that hearing God's word is being with him on that Sabbath, Every day, but especially on that special set-apart day and taking a break from doing. You know, it's wild when, we, when I think about it. Boy, how many years ago were smartphones invented? 2008, something like that? 2009, and even back then they were kind of expensive and not a lot of people had them. It took a while to lower the prices. We had an iPod Touch, I remember. I had a little flip phone, cheapo flip phone, 
and an iPod Touch. And Rachel and I would use that when we went places as a GPS, try to catch Wi-Fi from somewhere because it didn't have you know, the, the network and get a map. And it could pull up email and, and the Bible app. In fact, I think the Bible app was one of the first out of the gate on the App Store. But now, it's, it's truly amazing. Truly a miracle. I mean, when you think about <laughs> what it was like thousands of years ago with the scroll in the temple and you heard the Word of God read only so often or from the mouth of prophets and now in our pockets, in our pockets, we have a million different versions that you can get and download and read offline of God's Word. And Amos says God is removing His his word from you, and we have God's word in our pockets. And what do we say too often? No, I'm too busy. <laughs> i got stuff going on. I'll maybe read the Bible tomorrow or the next day. How many Christians, followers of Jesus throughout the millennia, would have done anything to have the Bible in their pocket? And we get out our phones and we go, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh. all this. I'm not saying this doesn't connect us in some ways, which is good. You can follow Troy V. Church on Instagram and Facebook, a little self-promotion there. But of all the things that we should be focused on, it's God. The most important thing. God and other people, what a gift, what a miracle do we actually Read it. And God tells uh, the Israelites through Amos, and He's telling us today to be. And not just do, but be with Him. And be in relationship with His people. And hopefully one day, um, you know, I know in China they censor different apps and websites, and they can't get the Bible app on their phones. And let's say jailbreak it or something. In different countries, they restrict certain apps and certain Bible websites. May it never be so for us. But I know, persecution is coming. In Canada, pastors can get arrested for preaching, just reading Bible verses about certain topics or sins. And in America, uh, we can get, pastors can get lots of flack and... People, anybody who shares God's word can get lots of pushback and try to get canceled for just saying what God says. Like, I'm the messenger. I'm just, this is what he says. And I hope and I pray someday that the Bible apps are not canceled on our phones. But that would remove God's word. Hopefully you have a, a print Bible. You can blow the dust off at that point. <laughs> and go, how does this work again? Start. Start. I don't, it's not... It's not opening. Start. It's broken. Start. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. Right? And you can do that. <laughs> what did Jesus do, though? Jesus had all these demands. He had all these responsibilities. He had all these people coming up to him. Heal me. Save me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Feed me, Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Time and time again, we talked about Tuesday at our life group, he got away to pray. He went to an isolated place because he knew he needed to reconnect with his Father for hope and joy and love and peace and encouragement and strength to get him through those difficult times. And if Jesus needs to get away to pray, 
how much more do you think we, as sinful, fallen human people, very flawed, need to get away to pray? Find that isolated place in your home. Look, I got four kids. I try to work from home some days. Oh, boy. And it's like, Daddy, 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 read this book. Daddy, Daddy, look at this toy. I was writing out my sermon this morning, and Azariah comes down in full, uh, to the, my basement office, full Iron Man suit and mask, and he's like, Dad, yeah, check this out. And Gideon came in, and he's like, where's this toy? And I'm like, I'm trying to finish up, buddy. We got to go. Troy, with you? All right. <laughs> Find an isolated place to pray. For me, that's either before the kids get up, <laughs> absolutely, or outside of the house. Because <laughs> anywhere I am inside my house, they're going to find me. They're going to find me. Rachel knows we're in the bathroom, you know, and the door's closed and the door's locked, and these little fingers are reaching under. It's like, eh, it's like a horror movie or something. Eh, mommy, mommy, mommy. They only need you when you're in there, I know. They will find you. They will come and they will find you, okay? Especially when you need to be alone. Parents, little kids, you guys know this. Anyway, find that isolated place for you. For, for me, it might be Winans or Panera Bread or Starbucks or the church building here, you know, uh, where I can focus a little bit more without cute little precious gifts of God distractions. Or maybe it's a special chair in your home. I know people, some people have special chairs. This is their God chair, you know. And they've got their Bible open next to it, all ready to go in the mornings. Whatever it is for you. Find that place daily and weekly to get away. To have some sort of Shabbat, Sabbath, rest. Soul refreshing rest. It is a gift from God that fills us with love and joy and hope and peace and comfort and encouragement and strength and wisdom. Don't reject that gift. Just take it, gift from God. Who would take a gift and toss it in the trash? And how many weeks do we take that gift from God and toss it in the trash? And we say, I'm too busy. Make a plan. Preaching to myself. Because I work on Sundays. I don't know if you knew, but I, Sundays are not as restful to me. I usually wake up about 5.30 a.m. start working on my sermon. What am I going to preach about this week? <laughs> Well, that's one reason, Hallie, why I have been giving you serve lists for the past three weeks to help Pastor Dan, okay, to help you all, to help us be the church and all serve in ministry. And you know what effect that has, Hallie? A few of my hours are freed up to prepare my sermon a little bit more, a little bit more in time. Hey, I wake up, I write out the notes, I get it to Catherine by Wednesday usually, maybe Thursday, okay, Friday sometimes. <laughs> And I know where I'm going, Amos chapter 8, but I kind of put the meat on the skeleton, you know, Sunday mornings at 5.30. I've been thinking about it all week. All right. So Saturday, Sundays aren't incredibly restful for me. For me, it's Saturday. We usually do family things, get away. But I got to remind myself too. put down that phone because it's everything on it, you know. It's not only the Bible, but Rachel's texting me funny memes. You know, and my mom calls and wants something, and uh, you know, to me pick up some Valentine's Day strawberries, dip chocolate from Winans, okay, and it's got my schedule on there. It's got my calendar, and I mean, it's everything on there. I got podcasts. I listen to 
um, the Bible every morning. So it has my podcast app on it. You know, so I know it's hard. <laughs> There's so much on there, and you're checking the Bengal score and seeing how are they going to do today. Who day, right? All right, here we go. This is it. This is the moment of truth today. And you can pray for God to help the Bengals win, you know. I don't know if he's listening to Rams fans or Bengals fans or if he cares today. <laughs> but, but all I know is that we need to take time away. We're going to sing one last song. And don't make this, we can't make it a legalistic thing. Oh man, I have to do Sabbath rest today. I hate Sabbath. What are you doing? It's a gift. Don't begrudge the gift. With a willing heart, with an open heart, receive that gift to give us life and refreshment and restore our body and our mind and our souls. Anybody want an extra portion of God's love and grace and hope and joy and peace and comfort and wisdom and strength? We want that. We desire that. But that doesn't happen by accident. We have to plan with all the busyness of the world. We have to plan to take time out. If you just wait for Sabbath rest to come to you, you're going to find other stuff to fill that time with. And you're going to be busy with everything else in the world. Unless we plan and prepare Get stuff out the night before. You know, write down your calendar on a piece of paper so you can turn your phone off for the day. Whatever it is, get ready. Prepare our hearts. Prepare that day. Do your laundry the night before. I don't know, unless your laundry is really relaxing to you. You know, and that's your Sabbath rest. You can come over and do Sabbath rest in my washing machine if you want. You know, with our clothes, if that's a gift to you. But plan, prepare. It will not happen by accident. Learning to be, and not, we're in this do, 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 do mode. But learning to be still and be takes discipline. It takes time. It takes focus. But it is one of the biggest gifts that God gives to us. And it's one of the Ten Commandments. So let's focus on uh, this week. Taking time out each day for Him and taking a Sabbath day for Him. I challenge all of us, including myself, Rachel, what are we doing next Saturday? Oh, daddy-daughter dance. Okay. In the evening. All of us to take that day, to plan for that day so we can experience a little bit of rest until we get to God's kingdom, Greg, where it will be rest and peace forever. That's what we're looking forward to. The Sabbath is a little glimpse of the kingdom to come. I want a little glimpse of the kingdom to come, don't you? Let's stand and sing our praises to Him.
Father, I pray that you would help us get our spirits to a place where you are all that we want. We sing that and we pray that prayer and we go from here and we're distracted by all the things in the world. Looking down at our phones and everything else. But we want to want you. We want that desire. I pray that you would increase that in us every single day. As we seek your face, and we seek to take time out, to be with you, to build that relationship and look up to our Creator, to our Father, to our Lord in Heaven. I pray this week as we go from this building, that we wouldn't just live our lives by accident, doing whatever comes our way, saying whatever comes to mind, but that we would live on purpose focused for you and your ways not just for ourselves and our relationship with you that's important too but to help those around us know of your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness through us may we be strengthened this week to do that to be your church in this world and have courage and wisdom and strength for all the hurts and pains and sorrow that this life brings until 
your Lord Jesus, your Son, comes back and makes everything right once again. Come, Lord Jesus. In His name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.